Monday, everyone. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Make sure you check out their line of natural medicine products on their website, which is abotanicalcompany.com. That is abotanicalcompany.com. Or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available, or feel free to ask them questions about their products and how it can benefit your life. That's what they're all about, helping people live better lives. So again, check out my good friends in Midwest City, Artisan Botanicals. All right, hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, Kind of felt like an off football weekend. Um, and, And obviously it's Bedlam week, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Saturday night. I can't wait for this. And we're gonna talk a lot of football this week. But as I was getting ready for today's episode and during our interview today, the Thunder have traded Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns. So Eric Horn, who is the Thunder writer for The Athletic, is going to join me. And uh, we're going to talk all things Thunder, the Chris Paul trade, the Dennis Schroeder trade to the Lakers, what's next for OKC, and maybe how all of these future first-round picks are going to be used by Sam Presti. So big episode that is very Thunder-centric as far as the breaking news today. And uh, again, We'll hit a lot of bedlam the rest of the week. Obviously, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State monster matchup, and uh, I can't wait for that one as well. But here is today's guest. He is Eric Horn, Thunder Rider for The Athletic on the Colby Daniels Podcast. For those watching the video stream, uh, I used your Twitter profile picture. Is that the Warren Spawn Award? <laughs> That's such an old photo. Yeah, that was back when I was uh, when I was working at the Oklahoma and and, um, you know, the Warren Spawn Award, obviously, out of Oklahoma every year. So they brought it by, and I grabbed it. And I was like, yeah, I won. And I, I didn't win. I obviously didn't win. I'm not even left-handed, so <laughs> it, it, it didn't apply. I, I love it, though. I love it. I, I We were we were talking this morning, and I asked you if, if uh, that was the image I could use for your, your video graphic, uh, since we're doing only audio for this, this interview. And... Uh, as I was saving it, I was like, that's the Warren Spawn Award. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was heavy and it was awesome to like have it. And I just, you know, I hadn't been in a position where I could like actually hold a trophy and say I won something in a long time. I guess I've been like, you know, like a like an adult loser for a while. So I was like, man, let me pick this thing up and have somebody take a picture of me acting like I actually won something for once. That's so awesome. I did. And it was cool. I and it. I tried to find another picture for you, and I couldn't find anything that was worth crap. So I just went with that. Well, look, the next time that I have you on, we have to like make this a thing, and you're going to have to, in somewhere along the way, find another trophy to hold, so I can use that one next time. Yeah, yeah, I gotta find something, man. I mean, I'm uh, I'm actually in my parents' house right now, and um, I got some old trophies from like karate when I was like seven. So maybe I'll take a picture of that or something. That, 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 that might work. That'll be perfect. And then we can start the next time with the karate story of, of how you uh, gave somebody the crane or something to win the trophy. So, yeah, I won like the all county karate tournament, swept some dude's leg. And it was, yeah, it was great, man. So those are the days. I used to be like a taekwondo kid when I was like seven or eight. And then I was like, you know, I want to play team sports. And then, I went into all that other stuff, and and I never won anything. So there you go. Nice, nice. How long did you do that for? What the karate? Stuff? Yeah, taekwondo. Oh, probably like two or three years. Got to like brown belt, and then I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, when you're a kid, and you go through those phases, and like you, you like some stuff, and then all of a sudden, like you just, I don't know. You maybe you watch like the World Series, or maybe you see. For me, with uh, I got into soccer, and I played soccer throughout my entire life. I saw the 94 World Cup, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I was just transfixed with just soccer. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. And that's the thing that never wore off. And then I've had phases with other things like basketball or or baseball or whatever. But, like, 94 World Cup in the USA, like, all the pageantry, like, all the magazines. I was like, I'm in. This is incredible. Uh, I love this. So that was kind of where I got now, Kobe Jones and Alexi Lawless became rock yes. stars that summer. Yes, Kobe Jones, man, Eric Winalda, like all those, yes. all those guys. Um, yeah, and then the MLS came a couple years after that, and I was just, I was completely in. Like I was just, it was nuts. So that was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so it, basically, what you're telling me though is, if there were ever to be a media battle royale, stay away from Eric Horn. 
battle royale for what? Like like Taekwondo stuff? I don't yeah, remember just, any just of like that Just like an all-out brawl, man. Like, but at oh, least you have some yeah. training. Most I'm assuming that most media members in the OKC area have zero Taekwondo training. <laughs> I'd have, I'm probably not the like least. It would probably be like a, a war of attrition at this point. <laughs> like I'm not like the oldest media member. I'm not the most like out of shape media member. Right. So I'd probably be okay. But like, if some young whippersnapper came through, like I don't know, man. Like I, I don't remember any of that Taekwondo stuff, dude. Like I'm not out here MMA fighting or anything like that. So I probably, I, I maybe, man. I have to get my stamina up, man. We'll see. All right, all right, fair enough. Have you seen Cobra Kai, by the way? I have not. I just, I just see that damn uh, commercial with the Cobra Kai guy talking about support the legs and. <laughs> Uh, Koala Kai. I see that commercial like 80 times a day because all I watch is ESPN now. Right. So it's like, or or I'm watching like CNN politics stuff and maybe they'll show it there. And I, I, I haven't seen the, like the reboot. I've heard it's good, but I've just, I, I feel like that guy's like a part of my family now because I see him every single day trying to teach kids to like be merciful now. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't buy it. Even in the commercial, I think he's uh, pulling a fast one, so. He just—he just has that look, like he's up to no good. Yeah, yeah, he looks kind of sneaky, and I think he—I I, I guess that's just acting. I mean, and it, it, it kind of looks like he has some like weird makeup on. Like maybe they like caked it on him because right, maybe he's right. got like like it's, I'm kind of, yeah, he's just throwing me off, man. He's giving off a weird vibe. <laughs> um, I need to watch the actual Cobra Kai because actually, uh, I, I've actually gotten like good reviews off of that, so. Um, I don't know, man. That 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 dude's weird. Uh, I've never been a big Karate Kid fan, anyway. Uh, I know that's blasphemous, but it's just it's never been my thing. I was more like when I was a kid. I know we're, we're going on complete tangents here. This, this is my awesome. last one, I promise. And then we'll talk about Thunder stuff. When I was a kid, I was into like. Have you ever heard of like Best of the Best? Absolutely. That movie? Yes. Okay. No like, retreat. No surrender. My... Yeah. yeah. Like I used to. I used to stay up late and watch. Like best of the best, like Eric Roberts, which was a ridiculous movie too. Um, like all the all the Van Damme stuff, like Bloodsport and uh, uh, Double Take or whatever it was Double whatever Double Action Double and Impact then, uh, Double Impact. Yeah, we had the twin that was actually yeah. him, and <laughs> uh, uh, you know Bloodsport, Kickboxer. Uh, yeah, I, I liked those, and then like um, my, my low key favorite was actually Jim Cotta. Have you ever heard of Jim Cotta? No. Oh my god. Okay, first of all, it's one of the worst movies ever made. Okay. Second of all, it it is it, it's um it's actually like the purpose of the movie is like this they, they like basically like the US government like goes and recruits this like world class gymnast and they say, Hey, we're gonna make you like into like a like a fighting machine and we're gonna put you into this contest overseas where you have to like infiltrate this overseas operation that's trying to like oppress this town of like um of, like this poor like eastern block town so they take like this gymnast and they basically have him like doing back flips and like there's like a pommel horse randomly in like the middle of this town he's like <laughs> kicking guys in the face and like it's so poorly made and me and my brother who, who's like 10 years older than me we used to just sit around and just watch this movie over and over again and laugh like hysterically and how bad the acting was, but like people out there don't know who I'm talking about. Um, I can't think of the gymnast's name right now. It was like Kurt. He actually just died this year. His name was like Kurt something or um, whatever. Man, I'm I'm going off on a crazy tangent. Jim Cotta. That's the name of the movie. All Jim right. Cotta. Look it up. It'll change your life. Look I, into the rift. I'm sorry. I'm going to watch it this week. It, it sounds like my kind of '80s movie. And look, if you like movies from the 80s and they're not ridiculous, then is it really a movie from the 80s? Dude, it, it, okay, Kurt Thomas was the gymnast. He's an Olympic gymnast. Okay. Dude, I'm telling you, this movie is so absurd. Like, you just have to just, like, you're, there are going to be so many instances where you're like, what? But you just have to keep going. Just push through and just keep going. Because at the end of the movie, it's you just have this feeling of like, you're so torn between whether or not you wasted your time or you just gained like enlightenment. It's so hard. Yeah. To, like, it's so hard to discern whether or not like that was a good investment or a bad investment, which probably means it was just like a normal standard investment. You probably just broke. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I feel it. like I'm what done. I feel I'm like done. what you are describing though is very similar to like the Jean Claude Van Damme dance scene in Kickboxer, where all of a sudden yes. like he just has all these moves and then he gets in a fi- a bar fight or whatever. Yes, that's basically like an hour and a half of that. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. You've sold me. I, I will watch it this week and uh, and give you a review. So I appreciate that. It's- you are enriching my life. I'm going to have to send you like the trailer or something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. All right, let's let's talk Thunder. Uh, first, I've got to ask you this because I've, I've heard it said both ways. Is it Dagnalt or Dagnalt? Like, what is the correct pronunciation? I'm going to go with Dagnalt. Okay. That's what it is. Um, it, it, I, I, I've, I've never heard of Dagnalt. No, I've heard Mark Dagnalt. That's, that's what I've been under the impression it is for the past five years or six years, however long he's been with Thunder. I think he's going into his seventh season with the organization, which is, which is pretty impressive. But uh, yeah, yeah. Dagnall is what, what we're, uh, what we're going to go with uh, going forward. I think. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, so Mark Dagnalt, you mentioned it, he's been here for a while. So while I think a lot of Thunder fans not familiar with him and it kind of feels like this is a new guy to those that are close to the, to the program and, and everybody within the program, I mean, he's he's a pretty known quantity here, not not necessarily a wild card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, you know, he's a guy who they like. They 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 plucked him from Florida, you know, way back in 2014, before Billy Donovan was even a part of the Thunder staff. So this is a guy that they have invested time and 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 resources into, and. You know, they, they really like the experience he's gained. He's been a G League coach. He's been for five years. He's been their summer league coach. He's helped them run their off-season workouts. Uh, he's been a guy who's been involved with the draft process. Like, he's, he's handled two-way players. He's handled, you know, call-ups. So, he, he really – he's been – oh, he's also been an assistant coach. He was an assistant coach last year for Billy Donovan. So, he's really touched, like, every part of their organization. And I think that's what they like about him. He's a guy who – you know, Sam Presti kept stressing he's a modern coach, he's a modern coach, this and that, and the way that he can, like, connect with players. But he's also modern in the sense that, like, he knows every aspect of the organization. He's not just a guy who, you know, is going to be focused on the game stuff. And I know a lot of people are concerned about the game stuff because ultimately that's what matters. Like, they want a guy who's going to be able to execute X's and O's and get through the players. But I think the Thunder, you know, for, for better or worse, they're a team that kind of has this holistic belief that you got to be more than just a coach. You got to be all of these different things. And, and I think that Mark Jagnall, that, that's a big reason why they picked him. It makes all the sense in the world in hindsight. And, and, and I'll say, I, I totally this whole time felt like it was going to be an internal hire. I didn't know that it was going to be Dagnall, but I felt like one of the guys that was currently on staff was going to get this position. But when you look back at, at the way everything has unfolded and when you kind of look ahead at, at the way things might be going, uh, player development is the the title that I've, I've heard connected to Dagnall for years. So it makes a lot of sense in that regard. Quick turnaround, and I know Presty kind of shot this idea down, but quick turnaround as far as the season ending to this quick off-season type scenario where we're going to have free agency in the draft sandwiched between the restart at, at the end of December uh, and the fact that, again, he just he knows he's a Presty guy, I guess is the best way to say it, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Presty kind of takes pride in being one of those guys who can, you know, take a young player or, or a young, you know, front office guy or, or somebody who has aspirations of being something, you know, greater than he currently is and, and kind of developing them. Um, you know, that's what Presley was. Presley was this guy who was just scraping for an opportunity and, you know, you work his way up from, from, uh, from San Antonio as a video guy to, to where he is now. You know, you know, Brian Keith, a guy who, you know, was up for the Thunder job he, he was in similar circumstances to Presty. He was a video guy who worked his way up. Um, you know, Presty does that with you know, guys in the organization like Nazir Muhammad who, you know, express that they want to be in the front office. And Presty basically created a program to get him the requisite experience to be a front office guy. That's what they did with Mark Dagnall. Mark Dagnall was a guy who, you know, basically worked for Billy Donovan for free, kind of like his personal assistant. Uh, on a tip from one of Billy Donovan's friends, who's the, who's the coach at Holy Cross, and you know, parlayed that now, you know, seven eight years down the road to being the head coach of an NBA team. So it's 
So, yeah, Sam Presti kind of takes pride in, like, you know, noticing something or or finding something in these guys early in their career, or, or women for that matter, because he's done the same thing, you know, within his front office um, and, and, and allowing people to grow into roles that they can help the organization. Thoughts on what the rest of the staff is going to look like? Do we do we know? Is there any even idea as to whether they're going to retain, I guess, everybody that hasn't left at this point? Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a very similar to last season. Um, you know, aside from Mo Cheeks leaving to go to Chicago with Billy Donovan, um, I think you're going to see a lot of the same guys, uh, particularly since a lot of other teams have filled out their staff. Um, you know, Brian Keefe, you know, Dave Bliss, who, who's a guy who's been in a couple different places. Um, you know, Mike Wilkes, who's been with the Thunder organization for a very long time now, going on a decade. Uh, and then, you know, you may see a guy come up from the blue to add to the Thunder staff. Uh, Grant Gibbs is a guy that they like. He's a guy who took over for, for Mark Dagnall when Mark Dagnall was bumped up as an assistant coach. Um, you know, he's a young assistant that's kind of up and coming and, we're not a young assistant, a young coach who's up and coming. No, they, they may add to the staff that way because the Thunders kind of started this trend of taking guys from the G League and adding them to uh, the, the, the Thunder bench as assistant coaches. So, no, I, I think for the most part, the staff is going to be intact. Uh, Kobe, you mind if I cut in here for a second? We have breaking news. Man. Yeah, I was, I was actually about to, I was about to hit you <laughs> with the same thing, so go ahead, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously Chris Paul, uh, you know, Sean Strania, multiple people um, are saying that Chris Paul has been traded to the Phoenix Suns. So there you have it. Yeah, Chris Paul on his way to Phoenix. What I'm reading here is the Thunder will receive Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen, um, I'm, I'm going to say Lequay, L-E-C-Q-U-E, and draft picks. So it looks like it's going to be a 20, according to Woj, a 2022 first-round pick. So not the number 10 pick on Wednesday night, which is what I was kind of projecting if Chris Paul were to be moved to Phoenix, but a 2022 first-round pick. Um, I guess thoughts on... on uh, the, it makes sense that Phoenix would want this guy. It makes sense that the Thunder would trade him. Thoughts on what they get for Chris Paul? So it's a it's an interesting hole. I, I like I think they're gonna be there's always a faction of people who are gonna be like, Oh, the Thunder didn't get enough. Like that's always that there's there's always a strong group of people who are just upset that the Thunder didn't get enough for whatever they traded for. You I, I am I am adamant that you cannot excuse me, you cannot grade track grade trade. Jesus, why can't I say that? You cannot grade trade as soon as they happen. You don't know what Jalen Lake or LaQueen is going to be. I know that that guy's super athletic and was really young when he came into the draft a year ago or a couple years ago. He's barely gotten on the floor for Phoenix. He's a developmental guy. You don't know what they're going to do with Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre. You would assume that those are guys that they can flip for something else down the line. That's what Presti does with players like that. Um, what you can assess on the surface is, you know, the, the picks. Um you know, Shams is here saying that the Suns' future first of the Thunder is projected is protected one through twelve in twenty twenty, and the project the protections decrease. You know, every year after that, they're probably gonna be better than the twelve worst teams in the league next year. So you figure they're gonna have a lottery pick at the least in in the twenty twenty two draft, um, which is really good. Um, because the 2022 draft and next year's draft as well are projected to be better drafts than this year's draft. This year's draft, people have said, like, you know, it's kind of role player heavy. Um, it's not a lot of, like, you know, franchise-type players. If, if, if there are any kind of franchise players, maybe like LaMelo Ball. But there are a lot of guys who, like, have to reach their potential. It's not, like, clear-cut franchise guy. The next two drafts after this year, those are the ones that people are getting really excited about. So for Presti to get a pick in those drafts, you know, a couple years down the line when, you know, Chris Paul might not be what he is now. I mean, he won't be what he is now. He'll be 37 years old, 38 years old. He might not even be in Phoenix in two or three years. Um, it's obvious that they're pushing this thing into the future. 
And the value of those picks, the 2022s, 2021s, 2023s, those have more value than the picks you have now. So I know people are going to be like, oh, they didn't get the number 10 pick in Wednesday's draft. I'm mad because I want them to pick a guy who's really good in this draft. It's like, well, like, just wait a couple years. But the, the, whoever they pick in this year's draft is not going to be the guy who's going to change the entire franchise. I can assure you. <laughs> but in these next couple years, the drafts are going to be so good that those are the years you need to look at, like 22, 23, 21, and be like, okay, this is where the Thunder is going to find a dude or they, they can find a dude that they can trade to get another dude. So for them to get a pick from Phoenix that's a future pick, that's pretty good. I think it's better than, you know, saying, okay, give us the 10 this year. It's it's more firepower for the arsenal as far as trading as well. Say you fall in love with a guy that's maybe in the top five and, and you trade a bunch of picks to get into that slot to take, you know, maybe that guy that is a, a franchise changer. Um I guess, let me just ask this, because I know it's going to be asked, I think, over the next few days. Do you feel like this is the best the Thunder could have done? Because, again, I, I think it's unfair, like you said, to maybe grade this thing immediately. But, I, I, for me, at least, the thought feels a little bit underwhelming. Like, I wonder what else was out there. I wonder what else might have been on the table. Because it doesn't, I don't know, maybe, maybe you could have held off a little longer. But, to me, this doesn't necessarily feel like you maximized what you could get in return for Chris Paul. This is the thing. You already got two first round picks from the Rockets. And I and I have been stressing this to people. You've already got two first round picks for the Rockets for Chris Paul, which really should have just been a straight swap for Russell Westbrook last season. You Correct. you pilfered the Rockets in that trade and got two future first round picks for a franchise that has no idea where they're going. Those two first round picks are lightly protected. They're like top four protected in twenty twenty four and twenty twenty six. Yeah, that's a long way away. But the value of those picks alone, it really kind of made the rest of like this whole Chris Paul transaction bonus. People can nitpick about, well, he didn't get enough of this, this, and this. Again, the only way that like you people would probably be content with like the current trade is if there was a name attached to the trade that was like, oh, and guess what? You're not getting like a current name right. for Chris Paul that's going to like blow your doors off because Chris Paul is 35 and he has an injury. Right. Like as good as he was last season, like teams are, teams are like realistic about that stuff. Well, and nobody's, um, nobody's going to give up one of their key assets to bring in Chris Paul, who might be the missing piece on their title run. I mean, they're, they're not going to do that yeah. sort of swap. They're looking to yeah. add, not, not swap. Yeah. And look, if the, if the Thunder has the objective and this objective is probably going to, you know, butt heads against people who, you know, want the immediacy of a trade or want to continue this this thing of winning. If the Thunder is the objective of clearing their books in terms of salary to where they can have that that financial flexibility and not have a ton of like long term contracts, this deal makes sense as well. Because you've got Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre, who are guys I mean Ricky Rubio I think he's going into the last year of his deal. Oubre's um I'm not entirely sure of Uber's situation, but he might be on like a two or three year contract, but he's also a guy who's young enough to where teams are going to want to have more incentive to take him on in the trade. So Uber is flippable. Like that's not, that's not something to worry about. I don't think Kelly Uber is going to be in Oklahoma city for very long. He might not even be on the team when the season starts. Same thing with Ricky Rubio. But what you got to look at when you're talking about value is you got to be realistic. And it's hard to be realistic when you're looking at it like, oh, well, I want my team to always win a trade. Like, teams don't make trades with each other to beat each other. They make trades that are mutually beneficial. So it's like, you can't look at it as the Thunder has to win every single trade. Like, you got to look at it as, okay, what's the totality of the trade? How did you get Chris Paul in the first place? You gave up an aging Russell Westbrook who's getting you nowhere. And now you look at the league and Russell Westbrook's value has cratered. Um, I assure you that whatever the Rockets do with Russell Westbrook, they're not going to get, they're not going to get back those first round picks they gave up to get him, nor they're probably going to get back what they were, what the Thunder received in the Chris Paul trade. Right. So it's like, you've got to look at the totality of everything. You got to look at all of it and you can't just look at the face of, you know, what did the Thunder get in the immediate? 
Yeah, no doubt. So that brings the total as far as trading Russell Westbrook and what you're left with at the end of it when the dust settles. Three first-round picks and two trade swaps. And if you look at the grand scheme of things, the Thunder in 2020 have two first-round picks. In 2021, they will have their own first-round pick, the Heat's first-round pick, and a Houston pick swap. In 2022, they will have their own first, the Clippers first, and the Suns first. In 2023, their own first, a Clippers pick swap, and the Heat's first. In 2024, their own first, the Clips first, and the Houston Rockets first. And in 2026, their own first, the Clippers first, and Houston's first. I know that was a lot to just hear and and compartmentalize, but the point of that being, they've got a lot of picks over the next five years. Or six years. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you could... You can, you can, we can look at it a couple different ways. You can look at it as it's disappointing that you didn't do anything with the guys that you had, or you can look at it as, okay, there you went, you just went through a decade plus of, you know, good to great teams, and you're setting yourself up to, you know, have some pretty solid teams if, you know, Presty does what, he, what he's supposed to do with all this, you know, all these assets he's building up. So, I think it's a win-win for, for, for the Suns and the Thunder. Um, and I don't think that that's – I think that they've kind of positioned themselves to be in a, you know, a better spot than a lot of rebuilding teams in the NBA. The Kelly Oubre situation is interesting to me because you're talking about a size, uh, athleticism, versatile type of wing player that – if he, if he is here out of the gate, to me, turns into probably another draft pick because I think that's a valuable piece at the trade deadline when you have teams that are looking for maybe that one piece that potentially spurs them to the to the next tier of teams in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, it, and the, the thing that I've kind of, like, tried to emphasize, too, in the, in the last couple of days um, is you, know, you don't have to be – as bad as you used to have to be to get a really good player. Like the Thunder have all these picks and we don't know where they're going to land. They could be, you know, they could be in the twenties when it comes to the Clippers or the Rockets or, or Miami, uh, all these teams that they have their picks in the future. But the Thunder doesn't have to be 20 and 62 to get the number one pick anymore. I, I looked it up last night. The Pelicans went 33 and 49 last year and got Zion Williams. Uh, the, the way that the lottery odds are, are have been evened out right. over the past few years with the way that the NBA has changed the rules, you don't have to be like this disgrace to basketball bad team in order to get like a high lottery pick. You can be a team that's like obviously not a playoff contender, but still exciting, and you can get a really good pick. Like the Mavericks last year were 33 and – of uh, 49. They were the same as the Pelicans. Uh, you know, the Mavericks are a playoff team this year. Um, you know, the, the Pelicans were, weren't a bad team the year that they had Anthony Davis getting hurt. They ended up getting the number one pick. So the Thunder doesn't have to tank. They don't have to crater in order to get a really good pick. You've got to get a really high draft pick in the right draft, which means the 2022 draft, the 2023 draft, you know, these next three or four drafts, not this year in particular. And you know, you've got to do, like, internal development, like, that the Thunder's done a pretty good job of over, you know, their 12-year history. Um, and you can still be a competitive team. You can still run a team out there that, you know, isn't going to be 15 games over 500, but at the same time, they're still going to be competitive every night, and they're not going to, like, set back the game of basketball 30 years. Like, they're going to go out there <laughs> and actually get people excited to watch yeah. the game. Like, like, even if the Thunder are losing games, more than they're winning. Like, are you not going to be excited to see, you know, Darius Baisley progress or, or Shea Gildas Alexander progress? Like, and another thing I looked up was, which is interesting, is like the Thunder were projected to lose. They were actually projected last year, before the season started, to win 32 and a half games. Now, that was with the assumption that they were going to trade all of their veterans, or most of their veterans, like Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, Gallinari. Um, they kept those guys, and they obviously were on a 51 pace before coronavirus. But, you know, 32 and a half wins, that's basically exactly what that Pelicans team 
did to get Zion Williamson. Like, if you trade away veterans and you end up winning around 32 to 35 games, you can have a chance to get the number one pick. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, like, you don't have to be the Knicks. You don't have to be the Hawks. Like, you don't have to be the Florida. Uh, you can you can actually develop guys, have a decent team, and still have a chance to get a top five pick. And I think that that should be an encouraging thing for fans. Like, they don't have to watch embarrassing basketball and still have hope. Like, that, that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, for sure. And and look, to add to that, you know, you you nailed it when you said there's a certain amount of luck getting the right pick in the right year to getting, you know, a, a Kevin Durant type of guy or a Jason Tatum type of guy or, you know, name your player. But when you look at what the Thunder have acquired as far as draft picks go, they're not going to use 18 first round picks over the next five years. Like they're not going to use every single one of those to draft a guy that's going to be a long-term player for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So to add to your point, you don't have to be terrible to get one of those picks, but also you have the ability to use some of those draft picks to put yourself in a better situation, to put yourself in a more advantageous uh, spot to take one of those players that potentially changes what your, your future looks like. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the, to, to be, just to borrow a, a phrase from Presty that he uses all the time, it's um, bites of the apple. It's basically giving yourself as many opportunities as possible to, to land on that guy. Because, you know, if you just look at the, if you just look at the statistics or you look at the, the drafts throughout the years, you know, how many of these teams have had countless lottery picks and not been able to hit on, you know, a majority of these guys, you might hit on one in 10, or even if you hit on one, you can't put a team around him to be competent enough to, to actually like do anything with it. Like what have the Sacramento Kings done since getting De'Aaron Fox a couple of years ago? Like they're going to burn through that guy's like entire peak and have accomplished nothing. So it's like, when you look at it in its totality, it's really hard to build championship teams. The Thunder had a great string of, you know, combined strategy and luck to do what they did as early as they did in their existence with Kevin Durant and James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Like, it doesn't happen. Like that for most teams. So when you equip yourself with as many first-round picks as possible, that's not only opportunities to draft guys into your system that can help you, but that's also the most valuable currency in the NBA. Like that's more valuable than getting back a real, like right now player for Chris Paul, because you can have the real right now player, but if you don't have the stuff around them, it doesn't matter. So what's more appealing to other teams is, Ooh, the Houston Rockets are falling apart. The Thunder have a 2024, top four protected pick from Houston. Like, there are odds that that's going to be a really good pick. So then the Thunder has a leverage in saying, okay, you want to do this? Well, you got to give us this, this, this. And then that's how you end up with not just a bunch of draft picks, but you end up with guys that are really quality players too. So I think that, you know, while people might have impatience, and I think that's kind of like the, the society that we live in, it's just like an impatient society, um, particularly since, you know, the Thunder fan base as a whole was, you know, admittedly pretty spoiled for like the first decade of their existence. Like they had one bad season. Um, I think Sam Preston is doing it the right way. Uh, you know, you, 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 you have patience. You don't settle. Um, you know, you try to get the best players possible, but at the same time, you don't, you don't make rash decisions that a lot of these other franchises have done just to appease to the now you have to look, you have to look forward the OKC Thunder now have 17 first-round picks until 2027. So, uh, again, they are they are positioned to use and trade those picks to, to climb back into NBA relevancy. But, again, when you look at the pieces they have in place now, uh, I, I think there is at least a foundation where you don't have to expect that they're going to just be the the boring, you know, 10-win team that is is fighting for every W they can get on their way to still – being, you know, one of those bottom five uh, high percentage lottery teams. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've already done a great job with, you know, kind of working with the guys you have within the system. Um, 
it's still kind of unclear what decision they're going to go with currently. Um, I think it's becoming a lot clearer because you you dealt Chris Paul and and, uh, and Dennis Schroeder. Um, I think the first thing that you can probably draw from this is, you know, assuming that Shea goes to Alexander is a move in the next however many days, that he's going to be the guy. Like, he's going to be the guy handling the ball. Um, and you're probably going to have to go and get at least one more guy who can kind of spell him of that and give him some assistance, uh, whether that's drafting somebody in this draft or, you know, um, you know going and get somebody in free agency. Uh, you know, he hasn't been outstanding on his own. Last year, he was better paired with one of Schroeder or Chris Paul. So I think, you know, it benefits the Thunder to, to, to probably look at that. And, and, and maybe that is something that you address in this draft. So it's, um, you know, that's the next thing that I'm going to be looking for. How do they supplement Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Yeah, you know, a week ago when the when the Phoenix Suns uh, trade rumors began, I think the expectation was it was going to be some version of Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, and then either draft picks or other players. But those were kind of the two key pieces that seemed to potentially be involved in this thing. My first thought was Ricky Rubio is probably a guy that that is also shopped once they obtain him. But with Dennis Schroeder moving to the Lakers, it. it I don't know. Maybe Ricky Rubio is a guy. I just looked up his contract. He signed for two more years. Maybe Ricky Rubio is a guy that they supplement, like you said, that point guard position this season, and then he's more valuable going into the final year of his his contract as far as money coming off the books next offseason. So that might be the piece that sticks around this entire year, and then they move him a year from now. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ricky Rubio, is, and again, Ricky Rubio is not a bad guy to have right Like, He'd be a great guy next to Shea Gibson. And I don't know why I just all of a sudden just slipped my mind that he was on the team. Sorry, Kobe, I was trading him to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> but no, if you keep Ricky Rubio, like that's a great guy to have next to Shea Gibson Alexander because, you know, Shea Gibson Alexander can still play off ball. Um, they can both share ball handling duties. Ricky Rubio is a guy that they they actually liked when he was coming out, um, out of Spain as like an 18 year old. And, they know what his game is about. Like they, you know exactly what Ricky Rubio is bringing to the table, what his strengths and weaknesses are. He's going to be a good defender. Um, he's a guy who can facilitate, um, set up other guys. He's not a great shooter, but he's good. He's he's a he's a competent shooter. He's not going to be. I mean, the Thunder have had worse shooters at, at point guard. Uh, that's not a slight to Russell Westbrook, but that's also a, you know that that goes to Raymond Felton. That goes to Samaje Christian. So it's like, you know, Ricky Rubio is a good guy to have around. And if it gets time for the trade deadline and, and some of these teams, you know, are looking for, to add something or, you know, maybe a team like Philly who might need another ball handler, uh, you know, a team like Milwaukee might be looking to, you know, add another guy for a playoff push. Um, I think that Ricky Rubio is valuable to have regardless. And, and, and some of the same ways that Chris Paul was valuable to have, and, you know, not only does he help you, you know, on the court, but he helps you in the in the locker room too because he's just like a quality dude. So, yeah, R- Rubio is going to be great for for SGA. I think he'll be great for the whole team uh, if they decide to keep him around. What does this mean for Stephen Adams? Because I think Thunder fans kind of look at at this team now and wonder if it's just a complete fire sale. Um, I'll give you my thoughts real quick, and and you can agree or disagree. Uh, but I think Stephen Adams stays in place. Uh, number one, you have to hit the the floor of the salary, which Stephen Adams can make a, a big chunk of that. But also, his contract comes off the books this offseason. So not only does he help you hit that mark this year, but then he frees up a bunch of money next offseason. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the one big salary guy that's, that's, that's likely to stay, you know, not just because they need to hit the floor, but they need to be above the floor. But, you know, he's, he's kind of like that Nick, Collison carried the torch memorial kind of thunder guy that we like to have around because he embodies what we want to be about. Like Steven Adams is going to be the same guy, whether his team is bad or good, he's going to be consistent. Um, He's going to care about his teammates. He's going to do anything you need to do to win. Um, And he's just going to make your team, you know, better. Uh, Is he the modern center? No. Like he, he doesn't have, you know, the ball handling ability of a guy like a Bam Adebayo, 
Uh, he's not as good defensively as he was on the perimeter because of age and injuries. Uh, and he's still not very old. He's 27, but he's just beat up. Um, and he just doesn't shoot. Like he doesn't shoot very well or he doesn't, or he, or he doesn't, they don't ask him to shoot a lot, but he just gives you all that other stuff that the Thunder really values. Um, so I think that to them, it's worth paying Steven Adams that much money. <clears throat> and a lot of people will disagree with that. Like, I don't think Steven Adams is worth paying $27 million a year, but when your team isn't playing for a championship, like you can pay that guy that money and you know do that as opposed to you know trying to push for a playoff spot and you know trading him for a bunch of pieces that are really going to get you to the same place you were going to be before anyway so it's kind of like you know Stephen Adams to me as the season went on last year I felt more and more like especially you know post trade deadline I was like well this might even be a guy that they give an extension to and it's not going to be the exorbitant kind of money that he's making now but you know, maybe you give him, you know, $45 million over three years uh, to where he's making $15 million a year or something like that. And he's a guy that you just kind of have around at a lower number. And then you eventually start to groom his replacement because he's just the guy that you value in terms of the culture and all the other things that he brings. So, yeah, I, I think Steven Adams has a particular value to the Thunder that's just – that's more than they would have if they traded him. I mean, for you, what are his post-game uh, quotes worth? Because they got to be priceless. <laughs> He's just a good dude to talk to. Right. Like more than any, like more than anything. Like I, I know people like really kind of get off on the on him, you know, saying ridiculous stuff. But I've always liked to talk about the game with him because he's he actually takes the time to explain things and he does it in a way that makes you think that he's going to be a really good coach. One day. Um, he explains complicated stuff in very simple ways. And I, I've been around very few people who think and express the game the way that he does. And I appreciate that from somebody who's trying to cover the game and, 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 and express ideas to other people about what the Thunder are trying to accomplish. Um, he's just really smart and he's really thoughtful. And I think that I, I get why the Thunder values him so much because of, you know, the way that he's grown up with the team, you know, beyond just being like a soundbite, like he's a real thoughtful dude. Like he asked me about my son and like how my son's doing. He, he's like, you know, protective of his teammates. He's, but he's, but he's protectful of them in a polite way, like not in the way that, you know, Russell Westbrook's telling you to evolve. <laughs> it's, I, I think he's a really good culture guy. And I yeah. think that, um, I think that he has a particular value to the Thunder in that way. And, and I think he's really kind of the perfect bridge. Like if he was cheaper, he'd be like the, the ideal bridge. And I think that they need to work that out to where they can get him at a lower number and bring him back. But he's a really good bridge from the, you know, the, the generation they, they were in to the generation that they're going to be. And I think that that's, um, that's kind of how they look at him right now. What were your thoughts on the Dennis Schroeder trade? Um, obviously, Schroeder was a guy that I think a lot of us felt like was uh, one of the better, if not the best, sixth man in the NBA. They get the number 28 pick in Wednesday night's draft from the Lakers for him. If you're saying winners and losers in that scenario, I, I think it's easy to say the Lakers win that simply based on the fact that they're trying to win now, they're trying to repeat, and Dennis Schroeder is a valuable asset to potentially making that happen. Uh, and traditionally, you're not necessarily getting that caliber player in the NBA draft at 28. But thoughts on on what Presti did with Schroeder there? I thought it was a good deal. I mean, you get another first-round pick, obviously important, um, and we'll see what the Thunder does with that. But... You know, I think Schroeder deserved the opportunity to go play for a team that's chasing something. He 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 grew up as a player in Oklahoma City, um, and you know I wrote this yesterday. But you got again, this is a totality thing when you're looking at trades. You can't look at it as ah, oh, the Thunder got Danny Green. He's not any good. It's like no, the Thunder got two really good years out of Dennis Schroeder. They got a first round pick back that they traded Schroeder and they traded Carmelo Anthony for. And they got off of tens of million dollars of Carmelo Anthony's contract. So it's like 
you took what was like a negative asset in Carmelo Anthony at the time. Like he was due $27.9 million and nobody wanted to pay him that. You took that. You traded that to Atlanta. You got Dennis Schroeder. You developed him into a guy or he grew up into a guy that became a six man of the year candidate. And you were able to turn him into Danny Green and a first round pick that you gave up, you know, to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. You got that pick back. And then who knows what you're going to get from Danny Green when a contender comes calling in a few months or in a few weeks for that matter. Yeah. So it's like it's taking a negative where there were a lot of people saying you just need to like cut bait with this guy, uh, Carmelo Anthony, and basically you know, just buy this guy out. It's like, yeah, but you still got to pay his salary. So you were able to get off of tens of million dollars in salary while also getting a quality player for two years, while also parlaying that into getting back your first round pick. Like it's taking it like to, to quote Brian, da- quote Brian Davis is taking chicken salad and, <laughs> or t- taking something else and turning it into whatever. Like I, I quoted him poorly, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. Pr- yes. Every, everybody, knows, everybody knows that one. Yeah. Everybody knows that one. Yeah. Presley took something that was like on its surface, just awful. And you didn't know where you were going to go with the Carmelo Anthony situation. And he turned it into the positive. And, you know, you had to give Dennis Schroeder a lot of credit too, because he could have came here and sulked and not learned, but he had the opportunity to learn from Russell Westbrook. He had the opportunity to learn from Chris Paul, Paul George. Um, and he became a better player. He, he, he rehabilitated his reputation to the point to where he's going to get a chance to play with one of the greatest players we've ever seen and get a chance to play for a championship and play for stuff that matters. And I think that Dennis Schroeder is a guy who's like uniquely built to not be saved by that kind of pressure. Like, I think he's a guy who enjoys that. Like he, he, he's what you call a dog. Like he, he loves that stuff. And I think he's going to go to LA and like thrive in that environment with LeBron and AD because I know they're going to be pushing him to be better uh, because LeBron is like chasing, you know, legacy stuff now. Like, and that's, I I think Dennis Schroeder, like for him to like win a championship, that'll be really important to him too, because like, he's a guy who, you know, he had some rough years there on his reputation. And now he's got a chance to, you know, completely make the full turnaround in terms of his rep. NBA Central just tweeted, Thunder expected to explore trading Steven Adams. So, uh, again, this is a, a situation that's moving pretty fast for the Thunder. Uh, but you look at his contract, what is it, $27 million this year? That comes off the books. Oubre, I think, is expected to make around 14 or 15 and I think the same for Danny Green. I think he's in the 14-15 million range as well. So that's, I mean, that's three guys, Eric, that make up almost, what, like close to six, just under $60 million dollars. That that all come off the books next year. Yeah, yeah, you know they're 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 coming off of a lot of money. They're not taking on a lot of bad money, um, and that's just that's just kind of what Sam Presley does, man. He's he's you know he, he's saving money, but at the same time, like he's 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 fielding competitive teams, and at the same time, he's you know restoring their draft assets that they didn't have during the Kevin Durant era. And it's like, you know, obviously the big devil's advocate to that is like, well, they didn't win anything during the Kevin Durant. So it's like, well, yeah, that's like a combination of everybody playing a part in that. Like, they should have kept James Harden. Like, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook should have not turned the ball over five times in two minutes in the, in the game six against Golden State. It's like, everybody's got to play their part in that. But, like, if you're just looking at it in its totality, if you're going to rebuild, this is the way you do it. Um, and, and it seems like they're on their way to, you know, having as many options as they want to to get this thing right. And and that's really all you can ask for if you're trying to, you know, reset. Yeah. You got to give yourself as many options as you as you as you possibly can. And, and that's what they're doing. And I think they're doing a good job of it so far. What do you know about? I, I I think I mispronounced his name the first time, and and you said it correctly after. But Jalen, is it Laquie? Laquie? I'm gonna look it up. Okay. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher the poor man's um, <laughs> name right now. But I know coming out of the draft, he was one of those guys who did not go to college. He was like he was a he was basically a guy who you know played. I think he might have played like a G League season, or he might have sat out for a year and then was drafted um, by the Suns developmental kid. 
Um, crazy hops. Uh, haven't seen a lot of his game, but I think he's somebody who you take a chance on. And he's a guy who, you know, is valuable, um, you know, is valuable for a team that's rebuilding because, like, you don't really have anything to lose. Like, why not take right. a chance on this guy who wasn't playing um, and see what he can do? So I- I'm excited to see what he can do. 20 years old, 6'4", 185, raw player, athletic point guard. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, he's He's got the upside, and, you know, that's what the Thunder are looking for right now, man. Plenty of upside. So I don't think that uh, anybody should be disappointed that they, they got a guy who's, you know, 20 years old, um, who has his entire career in front of him, um, and, you know, was, was going to be – you know, if he would have went to college, he probably would have been a lottery pick. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to get a lottery pick is like a throw-in to the Chris Paul deal. Uh, essentially, a lottery pick is a throw-in. I think that that's, that's pretty cool. Well, Eric, I, I'm sure you're going to be really busy today with uh, with all the happenings right now with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but certainly appreciate the time. Uh, always good to catch up with you. Uh, I will check out sometime this week when I get a moment, Jim Cotta. I've already pulled it up on IMDb, so... Uh, I am I'm uh, all set for that. By the way, uh, oh, never mind. I thought it was Edward Norton in it, but it's Richard Norton. So <laughs> close enough. Close you know, enough. Close close enough. En- we'll call it Edward Norton. So yeah. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. Let's uh, catch up soon. Hey, no problem. Eric Horn, Thunder writer for the Athletic, joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Find out about their line of natural medicine products. Uh, Do some research yourself. Let them educate you if you want to ask questions about what they have available and how it can help you. Uh, That is what they are all about. They are about helping people live better lives. So again, check out their website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Uh, Once again, feel free to hit me up on either Twitter or Instagram, Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. It's Bedlam week. We've got a lot of football to talk about the rest of the week, so make sure you uh, check us out. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, we're going to cover it from all angles the rest of the week. Hope everybody has a great day. Stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.